This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Charles Woodson. And you're listening to the eye test for two. Welcome to this week's I Test for Two, where, yes, we, okay, I am banging on the drum all day for that Hall of Fame inclusion of Todd. Todd is God. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are both Hall of Fame voters, joined by, well, Hall of Famer Todd Rundgren in that intro, and Hall of Fame producer Ian Glendon. And soon, very soon, the Boston Herald's Karen Gregian to talk about Tom Brady's return to New England. But first... Guys, you know what? Cleveland must have heard us last week. Todd Rundgren made the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Ira, so did Carol King. And Ira, I'll be honest with you, I'm so surprised I could bang on the drum all day. Cleveland rocks, Clark. Cleveland <laughs> you are rocks. Right. And, um, and Clark, I'm banging on the drum for uh, my man George Thurgood, bad to the bone. I know He's been you doing are. it for been doing it for 40 years and mr judge if i had to harbor a guess i would say after you go to canton this summer you might take a late flight back the next day just so you can go to the rock and roll hall of fame i've been ira but i might take a flight somewhere around october 30th for that hall of fame induction Woo! i'm not talking about canton anyway i'm just glad so that uh, i we don't have to complain about this anymore okay on to football. Um, I saw that Hall of Fame GM Ron Wolf this week decried, quote, unquote, diva quarterbacks who've signed long-term deals. And I, he didn't mention anyone, but I think he's talking about Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. I don't think it takes a genius to figure that out, Ira. Um, but the thing that, that strikes me here is for all the um, angst that people are talking about these guys, this is nothing new. I mean, Eli Manning forced to trade, remember, in 2000. Uh, four with the draft. Uh, Brett Favre forced a trade in 2008. And Carson Palmer, of course, forced a, a trade in 2011, despite Mike Brown saying he would never trade him. So this isn't anything new. It's just that we've got more numbers, apparently, than in the past. It is. And, and you know what's interesting, Clark, is that it, it has been publicly identified the word diva and, and not talking about Terrell Owens and, and, and his pack of wide receivers. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's almost always used for wide receivers. Clark, one year, we might have a diva center in the National <laughs> Football League. <laughs> I don't think we'll be around long enough for that, Ira. Hey, by the way, Ira, do you agree with him? Do you agree with Ron? Um, I do. I do a little bit because, Clark, to tell you the truth, in some of these cases, 
I'm not sure what the guy's really, what the beef is. I'm not really sure what the problem is. Aaron Rodgers has the best receiver in football playing with him. Right. He's healthy, and they won 13 games. Well, what, what are you bitching about? Yeah, I'm not sure either. I, I think it's a long-term commitment with him, but some other cases is simply trying to go somewhere where you can win. Well, win where you are. I mean, that's what Tom Brady did. Anyway, um, I also see that the Chiefs are favored in 16 of their first 17 games, or of their 17 games, I guess, this year. Um, but are, has anyone ever heard of a Super Bowl jinx? There is a Super Bowl jinx. You know about it. I mean, other than New England, if you don't have Tom Brady and you lose the Super Bowl, you ain't going back the next year because the only team other than the 2018 New England Patriots led by Ian Glendon's Tom Brady that did it was the 1993 or the last team, the 1993 Buffalo Bills. It's a long time. It's over two decades. NFL history is against the Chiefs. But I'll say this, Clark, they have a very dynamic front office. That guy knows what he's doing, Veach. Andy Reid works very well with him. And you know what? They didn't sit on their hands, Clark, after that abomination uh, at Raymond James Stadium. They totally revamped the offensive line. This offense looks really scary to me. Scary. Yeah, it looked scary last year, too, until they ran into a scary defense in Tampa Bay. Hey, Ira, uh, who's your number two in the AFC? Uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. I think they're coming on strong. And, How about um, you? Okay. Yeah, I, I think people forget they had the Chiefs 9 nothing in that AFC title game and then uh, fell apart. But I think they're coming on. How about you, Ian? Who's your number two? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to argue against Buffalo. I mean, they're the team that's ascending. Um, you know, I'd like to see. I, I think it's going to be a strong conference, though. I think New England's going to be better. I think Miami is going to be better. That division alone is going to be pretty strong. But I, I got to give the edge to Buffalo. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, yeah, Buffalo. But watch out for the Chargers. I think the Chargers could really push Kansas City in that division. And I also think the Browns will be a good team. I mean, I think of those teams, you're going to get a, a AFC conference champ somewhere in there. Um, anyway, the schedule out last week, of course, um, we all know Tampa Bay, New England is the marquee game. But what's the second most interesting game that you saw on that schedule, Ira? For me, it's uh, the night of October 10th, Clark, uh, Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, and the aforementioned, Buffalo Bills mm. uh, rematch of the AFC title game. Clark, they're up nine nothing. Now we've watched a lot of Chiefs games, Clark, the last four years. Nine nothing, and before you know it, it's a thirty-eight-six blitz. Yeah, Chiefs. Yeah. Kelsey's going crazy. You know, uh, they can't stop Hill. They can't stop Kelsey. And the next thing you know, they're down thirty-eight fifteen. They lose thirty-eight twenty-four. But I love Josh Allen, Clark. I think he's coming on really fast, and he put together a fantastic season. If he gets a little bit better, look out. Ian, other than the other 16 New England games, what's your number two game on the schedule? Um, I, I got to go with the Cowboys and the Bucks to kick it off. I mean, you might as well. I mean, you got to it, – it, it's going to be a good matchup. I'm glad Dak Prescott's going to be there. Um, I, I know Dallas uh, doesn't really have a defense uh, that I think is going to be able to stop Tampa. So maybe this is coming from a pro Tam, uh, Tom Brady standpoint, but I'm looking forward to that game because I, I, I think uh, they're going to put on a clinic and it'll be entertaining. Yeah, it will be entertaining. Uh, I'm kind of interested in Cam's return to Carolina. I think that's going to happen in uh, early November. It's not exactly Brady going back to Foxborough. I think that'll be interesting. And I'll take Either, either of the Chargers-Chiefs games. I think Mahomes versus uh, Justin Herbert's great game. Okay, lastly, guys, 
going back now to Brady's return to New England, we all know about that, but you may not know, or listeners may not know, there's a secondary market for tickets is anywhere from $1,200 to $5,000, the highest for any regular season game in NFL history. Ira, if you were going to that game, what would you pay? I think um, 1850 and I don't mean $18.50. This, this, is a, this is a historic game, Clark. It, it is, it is. And there's a reason people are already talking about it, you know, all these months in advance, because Brady and Belichick are so iconic. Yeah. You know, nobody's paying to see Carl, Kyle Van Noy, you know, go, go against Tristan Wirfs. Uh, <laughs> it, it's Brady and Belichick. And um, I, would pay, I would pay a lot of money for this matchup. Now, Ian... You might empty your bank account for this one. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I got to do a little bit more work to be able to afford these tickets. Uh, I, I, I was in my head trying to figure out a number that I would go up to because I'm going to be up in Massachusetts in uh, October, not that early. So it would had to add a couple extra days to my vacation uh, on top of everything. But uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a steep price to pay. But you know what? I'd pay it. I'd pay 1200 bucks for nosebleed seats. I might regret it afterwards, but going into it, I'd be happy with it. Plus, you're making the big bucks, Ian. You yeah, of course. It, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, our next guest won't have to pay anything to see that game. I'm talking about Karen Gregian, who covers the Patriots for the Boston Herald and does a bang-up job. Karen, the buildup for this game has already begun, and I guess I'm in New England. I'm in Connecticut, but I'm not close to Foxborough, about an hour and a half away. What's it like in the Boston area or the Foxborough area, or maybe just all of Massachusetts, now that that game's on the schedule. And what kind of reception should Tom Brady expect when he steps on the field? You know, that is a great question. Uh, you would think that somebody who had spent 20 years in the same place uh, took the franchise to nine Super Bowls one six and is arguably the greatest quarterback to ever walk the earth would get a lot of appreciation. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I, I saw Adam Vinatieri get booed. So, uh, you know, it's just so hard to gauge uh, what's going to be on the minds of Patriot fans. Uh, I mean, there's some people who actually think he's a traitor. Uh, which I think is a huge reach, <laughs> but uh, you know we'll see. I, you know, I think if people take a step back, uh, you know, this is in all likelihood the final game he'll ever play at Foxborough Stadium, whether in the Patriots uniform uh, or outside of the Patriots organization. And I'm on the side that you. Pay, give the man a proper tribute as opposed to booing him out of the stadium. Yeah, so are we, I think. I, in fact, I'd be shocked, honestly, if that weren't the case. Um, but it's Boston, so I, I don't know, or Boston area, I don't know. If it were in Philadelphia, I know what the reception would be. But um, this is a different yeah, market. Well, and, and, as and, I and said, I, they, they booed Adam Vinatieri. And who's more of a Super Bowl hero than him? You know, especially in those early situation you know those first three um so again if that's the if that's the guide 
I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid there'll be a smattering, at least a smattering of booze for Brady, which, again, seems ridiculous. Well, we talked at the outset of this podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You don't need to get into that. But I used to go to mm-hmm. a lot of concerts and, and would sit out the night before or sometimes camp out the night before, you know, to get a ticket or get there as early as possible. Could you see people camping out the night before here or I don't know if general admissions seats go on sale, whatever, doing the same sort of thing for this game? I mean, it, the market must be yes, out of sight. For sure. And let's remember, it's October opposed right. to December or, you know, when it's much colder and a bigger possibility to be uh, sitting out in a blizzard. So, yeah, October, I can certainly see people, uh, you know, camping out and either trying to get in or just just trying to be a part of the atmosphere. We'll look for you outside in a tent, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, it might be tough to get into the stadium that that night, you know? My goodness. Karen, there's uh, there's so much uh, history uh, and theories about what happened with Brady's departure. Karen, I want to hear it from you as an insider. Uh, I offer a very simple explanation, but I'm a thousand miles away. Karen, to me, Brady spent a couple of months after the 2019 season, Karen, waiting to hear one positive word from Bill Belichick, one indication that Belichick wanted him back as a Patriot in 2020, and he never got it, Karen. He never got it. And to me, that had to sting. So why is Tom Brady a Buccaneer, in your opinion? Well, part of the reason stems from exactly what he said. Uh, He never felt the love uh, from his head coach especially when it came to his contract. And this wasn't just uh, 2019 going into 2020. This was after he won the Super Bowl against the Rams. Or, you know, he's looking to, which is which Super Bowl number six, you know, he was looking for a legitimate contract. You know, so again, his desire was to play to 45. Uh, he was over 40, but still winning Super Bowls. And he just wanted some kind of show from the organization that they had some faith in him. But Belichick, again, is was only going to go one year at a time for him. He didn't want to pay him big money. Again, he's over 40 going to fall off that cliff any minute and I just think it it hit a peak with Brady having to run up against that same wall year after year after year as a matter of fact more to your point uh, he and Belichick uh, before the free agent process or around the time he became a free agent had a conversation and my information is Belichick was like, uh, well, you already have a deal. We already have a number, you know, take it or leave it kind of thing. <laughs> so, again, yes, it's business. 
yes, you know, Belichick has a way of doing business and, you know, he, he likes to get rid of people before their time. And Brady understood all that. But again, he was still either winning Super Bowls or in getting that team to the big game. And they didn't show him the type of respect that he was looking for. So he had it put into the previous deal that they couldn't franchise him, uh, which would allow him, you know, to, to head into free agency if they couldn't reach an accord. So that's why he went to Tampa. Karen, taking it to the 2021 Patriots, um, Mac Jones is aboard. Cam Newton has been retained. Um, Karen, they threw 12 touchdown passes as an organization last year. The Packers threw 48. I mean, that is quite a disparity. Uh, 12 mm-hmm. is a ridiculous low number, no matter how good the New England defense is under Belichick. Uh, can Newton retain his job and, and for how long, Karen? Well, I think I think Bill Belichick loves him some Cam Newton. Uh, I, I mean, I can see no other reason for bringing him back uh, except for the fact that with another year in the system, he might actually know the offense or learn the offense as opposed to having to start from scratch with somebody else. Um, and I also think that um, Belichick, believes that cam was hampered by coming in late he was hampered by covid uh and he thinks with a better cast around him he'll throw more than eight touchdown passes which was his total last year although i think he he ran for 12 (laughs) so uh i think that's that's great that's great karen if you're a running back (laughs) right well i think yeah, I think I think as Belichick stated to us during our one uh, media session with him this year, <laughs> um, that Cam was his, was the quarterback, was the starter until unless or unless somebody actually beats him out. So, uh, will Jones beat him out? Well, I think. You know, again, we'll have to see how he does in these camps. We'll see how he looks. Of all the big stud quarterbacks in the draft, he appeared the most pro-ready of the group. But again, you have to see it in action. And it's odd a little bit that the Patriots would go after a quarterback that's kind of the polar opposite of Cam Newton. Uh, But you know, we'll just have to see how it plays out. But you know what? They just they just re-upped and signed Brian Hoyer. And, you know, I think beyond getting by this season with Cam, if they can, the obvious priority is getting Mac Jones ready to assume the mantle. And bringing back Brian Hoyer helps him do that. We're speaking with Karen Gregan, the Boston Herald, on the eye test for two. And Karen, a couple of things since you mentioned Cam Newton. Uh, first, 
Bill Belichick may love him some Cam Newton, but the fact that he drafted Mac Jones with a first round pick, first time that's ever happened, means he doesn't love him that much because it tells you that at some point this year, he's probably going to sit down. I'm talking about Cam Newton. That's been the history of first round draft picks in the past, of course, with the exception of someone like a Jordan Love last year. Um, but secondly, just moving on um, to Cam Newton specifically here, uh, there's another big game on that New England schedule that no one's really talking about, and that's Cam Newton returning to Carolina November 7th. Now, I don't know if he's going to be the starter or not by that time, but mm. that's a big game for Carolina. And I know it's not of the same magnitude as Brady going home to New England, but Cam Newton was beloved there, took him to a Super Bowl, and he was a league MVP. So if he is a starter, um, I would think that would be a big game too. Without question. And I think, you know, another reason or rationale for Coach Belichick bringing Cam back is that, you know, I think, you know, Cam is a prideful guy and he doesn't want last year to kind of be the lasting image of him. Mm-hmm. And he also he also thinks he was wronged in Carolina at, at the end. Uh, that they didn't stick with him. So I think, uh, and from what I know from talking to some people, that Cam is motivated, beyond motivated, to prove the doubters wrong. And it should perhaps, if he's still the quarterback, hit a crescendo in that return to Carolina. So let's go back to the Brady versus Patriots game for a moment. Um, You know, Football's a team game, right? Everyone tells it's a team game. But I'll tell you what, this sure seems like mano a mano grudge match. Brady versus (laughs) Belichick. Who do you think the pressure is more intense on? Is it on Brady to win this game or is it on Belichick to win it? I think it's on Belichick mostly because Brady already showed him up last year. By joining a new team and immediately right out of the gate uh, winning a Super Bowl. And it wasn't just any team. It was one of the losingest franchises in the history of the NFL. So, I mean, Brady won all the points last year. There's no question about it. You know, maybe Belichick got a little bit of leeway, you know, for having to, you know, move on without the quarterback. But I, I still think Brady winning is, is coming in with a ring with another team. So I think the burden is more on Belichick uh, to win that game. Karen, there's, um, there's been some speculation. Karen, tell me whether you think this, uh, this stuff has any credibility. But is there any chance, Karen, that as the summer progresses, and Atlanta makes it known that maybe Julio Jones is available, that uh, that Bill would have some interest in bringing in uh, a proven receiver of that caliber to um, to actually uh, help come along with this offense. Well, I think he would bring anyone in, but it would have to be on someone, especially a Julio Jones, but it'd have to be on his terms. And at a huge hometown discount. Uh, I know he, he 
went against type and spent a fortune in free agency, but he had the money to spend and he had a lot of holes to fill. And, you know, he's pretty much filled the hole. They, they, I mean, yes, Julio Jones would be a great addition to this offense and make them even better. Uh, but I don't think Bill, he doesn't like to pay the freight for anyone. And unless he was getting him on some kind of hometown discount or if Julio Jones was coming here just to try to win and take way under what he's worth, I cannot see it happening. Karen, what's going on on the defensive side of the ball? Two years ago, Karen, New England had the best defense in football. I mean, Gilmore was the defensive player of the year. You couldn't throw against them. The run defense was strong. They won 12 games. Um, can Kyle Van Noy, Karen, make a, make a major difference coming back from Miami after a one-year hiatus? Well, he'll make some difference, but I think collectively what they did to tr- that, you know, essentially rebuilt the defensive front uh, primarily to be able to try and stop the run, which they couldn't do at all last year. Um, having uh, Devin Godchow in the middle and uh, Henry Anderson bringing back Lawrence Guy, uh, you know, the additions uh, uh, drafting the kid from uh, Alabama. Um, I think in addition to bringing back Kyle Van Noy and also having Dante Hightower who opted out last year. I think the collective is going to make that defense better, not just one player. Cause they, again, they need their front seven stunk last year. And I think rebuilding the front seven, you know, and getting Hightower back uh, should get them back in, in pretty good stead. Karen, I've got a couple last questions for you. Uh, first, as we know, and we've said, Cam Newton's going to open the season at quarterback. But who, in your estimation, will be the quarterback at the end of the season? And secondly, do the Patriots return to the playoffs this year? Well, I'll answer the first question. I'll ask the second question first. Uh, I do think they're going to be a playoff team. Um I mean, it'll take a while for them to gel, but because there are so many new faces on both sides of the ball, um, but I think the way Belichick typically builds a team or builds or has his team run throughout the year, they're constantly building so they peak toward the end of the season. And given all the new faces, uh, they will probably be just getting the hang of things <laughs> at the right time. And, and they're going to be, I think, I think they're going to be a really hard to beat once the uh, team to beat once December rolls around. Will Kim be the quarterback? Well, it, it, it comes down to this. If he's, if they're winning and he's not making a ton of mistakes, and he's getting the job done, 
it's hard for me to see Belichick inserting a rookie in there with them winning. If Cam is the Cam from last year, uh, it'll be a matter of uh, when, not if, he he replaces him. So Belichick is going to put the guy in there who thinks gives them the best chance to win. Right now, that's Cam. But okay. as the season progresses, it might not be. And one last one here. That, that game, Brady versus Belichick, Tampa Bay versus New England, is going to be October 3rd, which is over five months' distance. I've got the over-under on stories you're going to write about that game at 150. <laughs> you taking the over or you taking the under? <laughs> oh, I would take the over. Me it too. might be 150 in that week uh, in that week alone. <laughs> Karen, I got yeah. uh, I got one more. Karen, thanks so sure. much for your time, Karen. Um, Karen, I'm going to ask you about a guy. This is a very Hall of Fame centric show, um, mm-hmm. and a guy that I think was a little bit underpublicized, underrated by virtue of his position guard. But you saw him play, Karen, at his peak. Ironically, mm-hmm. he spent his final two NFL seasons right here in Tampa. But I'm talking about Logan Mankins, seven Pro Bowls. Karen, you saw him as the linchpin of that offensive line for so many I years. Yep. I think he also he might have also played tackle one year in, in an emergency he did. situation. So in a, Karen on a broken leg, yeah, go on ahead. a broken leg. <laughs> Karen, in, in yeah. uh, for your for your money. Does Logan Mankins deserve a gold jacket? Oh, I think so. Uh, again, he was elite. He was the the best guard in the league for quite some time. And um, he brought the, a toughness and, dare I say, nasty element <laughs> to their line, you know, w- which was all part and parcel of of the success of the offense in that team. You know, it's not, yes, Brady was huge and significant and they don't win without Brady, but you know what? There's just as many important factors around Brady that has contributed to their success. And I don't think, you know, whether it's guys on the offensive line or guys on, on the defense, um, I don't know what voters think, except voters must think it's just all Brady. But you know what? Watch the games. Watch the games. Watch, you know, watch what Richard Seymour, who still can't get in, did uh, during those first three Super Bowls. Uh, Watch their offensive line. Watch uh, Logan Mankins during his time. Again, Brady has to be protected to be able to throw the football, even though he has the quickest release uh, in the league. But still, you need the protection, particularly on the left side. And no one was better than Logan Mankins during his day. Karen Gregan, thanks so much for the time. And on behalf of all three of us, I think we envy you being at that October 3rd game. But one word of caution no cheering in the press box, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I will take that under advisement. <laughs> Karen, thanks so much. Really appreciate it.
appreciate it. Thanks. That was Karen Gregian of the Boston Herald. And Ian, you're a longtime Patriots fan. Uh, I agree with her on the pressure of being more in Belichick than Brady because Brady's already made his point. He already made his point. He can win without Belichick. Can Belichick win without him? I, I think there is more pressure on the head coach here in this game. Absolutely. I mean, again, just from the surface, just looking at what happened last year, one player went to the playoffs and won a Super Bowl. The other, well, not the player, but the coach didn't make the playoffs. So I think very surface, yes, it is Brady versus Belichick with Brady with the slight one nothing lead. Yeah, Ira, do you agree? Uh, I do. I absolutely agree. Now, Clark, you and I, not, not Ian, but you and I are old enough to remember the buildup for the Dolphins Bears game. Oh yeah, Clark, uh, that would be what eighty five. Eighty five. Uh, yeah, it's the only loss the Bears had that year. Yeah, the unbeaten Bears going into Miami with Marino, and that game had a lot of buildup, Clark, but not not three months ahead of time. Four not months three ahead months of ahead of time, and then there was Manning going back to Indy in two thousand thirteen. In nineteen ninety four, I covered the Forty ers when Steve Young went to Kansas City to play Joe Montana. That was a big game and was build up Montana versus Young. And as we know, Montana won the game. Young won the Super Bowl. Anyway, that's going to do it for today. But tune in tomorrow when Ira is going to introduce us to one of the NFL's most successful journal managers. So who is it? Find out on tomorrow's eye test for two when we will be banging on the drum all day. Thank you then. <laughs>